1: Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
0: Hide and seek is fun. Until you realize there's one more player than what you started with and they're not human, or at all normal. Today I've got some stories about living in or next to the woods, and why that's sometimes a very scary place to be. Enjoy these allegedly true scary stories, and be sure to send me your stories for narration at darkstories.org. I'd love to hear possible modern dinosaur sightings, strange creatures seen in China, or stories about the scariest things that happened to you while trying to sleep. Also, be sure to follow and listen to all my podcasts at EerieCast.com. Now, let's begin. Walkie Talkie in the Woods from Jack36 I recall a time back in the days when I was a kid. It may not have been the scariest experience I've had, but it certainly was bizarre in nature and makes me seriously question reality. Since I've become an adult, I haven't been hiking or exploring nearly as often, for pretty obvious reasons. Having a job, tending to family, etc. I still try to go out every once in a while, and when I do, it brings back so much nostalgia. I've tried my best not to think about the bad experiences I've had out in the woods. But sometimes, I can't help myself just a few days ago when i was driving to get groceries i went through a tunnel and that's when my radio cut out you know the typical static you get when the broadcasting service isn't available right well there it was as clear as ever as i went through that tunnel it gave me goosebumps i'd never been one for that sound to begin with but it only made it worse as i encountered a flashback so vivid back to when I was only 10 years old. This is where the real story begins. It was your typical weekend afternoon, and I was with my friend Joe. We'd been lifelong buddies to that point in time, and we still continue to talk every now and then to this day. It was fall. The leaves were in the process of changing color. It looked beautiful outside. We were in my backyard admiring the forest that backed into my family's property. There was a vast amount of forest to explore back there, and we hadn't been through all of it just yet. We had been obsessed with becoming army men back then, and we had the whole setup walkie talkies, tactical pocket knives, camo backpacks, airsoft pistols, and things of that nature at one point joe interrupted the conversation we were having about my grade school crush he said to me hey want to go play army guys in the forest i grudgingly agreed but at the same time i knew playing army guys would be a lot of fun basically it was just tactical hide and seek but with our wild imaginations it was so much more joe said he'd try to capture me first and i agreed So I ran a good amount into the forest and found a tree to climb up on. Nature sounds consumed me. It was so calming outside. I then turned my walkie-talkie on and waited for him to call in, to let me know he was on his way to find me. I sat there for a while. Before long, I spotted a deer eating berries from a bush not too far off. It hadn't noticed me yet so I sat there, admiring it. Suddenly, my walkie-talkie started giving off major amounts of static. Something had happened. I knew I hadn't switched to any other channel, and that I remained on the one with my friend. But even so, high-pitched sounds began to emanate from the walkie-talkie. I saw the deer perk up, then run away. I was completely alone then, I was frightened then, and I wasn't exactly sure of what to do. Goosebumps consumed my body. I was frozen in fear as the static slowly subsided, giving way to some sort of demonic howl. It lasted about three seconds, then all was silent. All of the wood's sounds were dead. I heard absolutely nothing after that. I knew something was wrong, and I knew I had to get out of there. The static had gone too. It seemed to have happened all at once. I turned off the walkie-talkie, jumped off the tree, and made a run for it back to my house. Joe was waiting for me there, a look of concern on his face. My parents were outside visibly hysterical, phone in hand. They had called the police to send someone over to help locate me. As I ran out of the tree line towards them, my parents ran up to hug me. I was scared and confused. My parents asked me how I got so lost in the forest. I sat there puzzled, not knowing how to respond to that. All I could say was, I don't know. I was apparently gone for two hours. Joe kept insisting that he had spoken through his walkie-talkie trying to contact me countless times. After a while, he had given up, so he went back to tell my parents. Although I was in a new part of the woods, I was able to successfully trace my way back. What confused me, though, was how we were both notably on the same channel, but I didn't hear a thing from him. And what confused me even more was the time that I'd been out. I had no idea I was gone for that long. The time I'd been out there felt so brief. Eventually, we cleared everything up with the police. My friend and I had a talk with my parents about not going into the woods again without supervision. And that was that. Well, a week after that, Joe did tell me something no one else knew. He said he didn't want to tell my parents this because he was scared and he didn't want to get in trouble. Admittedly, he even had trouble bringing himself to tell me what he saw. Even though I never heard from him over the walkie-talkie, he claimed he saw someone who looked exactly like me. The figure's back was turned as Joe started running towards it. As he began to yell my name, whatever it was, took an impossibly huge step away from him. Joe stopped dead in his tracks. Whoever it was, then turned around to face him and slightly waved, a grin on their face. He claimed it was me. The only notable difference was my eyes. They were black. At that point, a feeling of dread washed over him this figure that looked just like me stood there staring at joe joe ran as fast as he could back to my house not looking back he told me he didn't think he was chased or followed when he got back to my house he simply said i was lost and wouldn't pick up the walkie-talkie he never mentioned anything else out of fear of what would happen if he did To this day, we've kept that between ourselves. We've never told another soul. I still have no idea what happened that day, and I'm sharing this story in hopes that at least one person will have the slightest idea of what happened. It's difficult to live here. From Christopher P. I live in southwest Oregon. Several years back, I was offered a living situation on 80 acres of forested land as a caretaker. This land is absolutely stunning. It was logged back in the 50s, but everything had grown back since, and fortunately, a few of the old legacy trees were spared. I've made hiking trails out of some of the old deer trails when the poison oak isn't too bad. At times, it seems like paradise but there has come a sense of unease as well to put it into perspective i live in an old farm cabin that was built in the 1930s as part of some kind of goat farming outfit a friend of mine who is almost like a father to me who has owned the property since the 60s said the young man who used to live there was real sketchy when he first moved into the house Before he built a new home elsewhere, all the house's windows were painted black and there were a few other odd, off-things about it. The house sits in a box canyon, one way in, one way out, with a neighbor across the street at the end of the half-mile driveway into the canyon. The canyon walls are very steep and heavily forested with the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, public lands backing up to all the sides of the property's boundaries. There are really old, decrepit logging roads up on the BLM lands, but the two access points to these roads are heavily gated up and off-limits. I've walked these old roads, as I've made some of my hiking trails up to them, and they're a good place to see wildlife. When I first moved onto the property, it seemed for months I would hear what sounded like metal banging behind my house up in the woods. The area it was coming from is heavily forested, and there's no houses up there for dozens of miles. Whatever it was, it didn't sound like an echo or something of that nature. It sounded real close. The friend of mine, the property owner, had said he had heard something similar throughout the years, and would often contact BLM authorities to investigate. I'd also hear voices. I was home alone one day and heard people talking outside. My partner wasn't home, and so I called him and let him know what was up. I then went out with my bear mace in my jacket to see what was going on. But no one was out there. Just a cold day, though everything was oddly quiet. The neighbor would often tell us that she hears people's voices in the woods too, and yells out to them, but gets no replies, and she would ask if we were in the woods yelling that day. And we most certainly weren't. You also get the feeling of being watched. I know this is just a feeling, and one could brush it off as paranoia, but it's a feeling so strong like something or someone is watching you from the tree line my dog also goes off at all hours in a tangent and when i investigate there's never anything there a few times i've come home and he's running around loose someone let him out of his play area that i set up for him when i'm away in town or something i also seem to find odd things on my hikes up to the blm lands I once found what seemed like an old trash pit from the 70s, or something with old car parts, springs from a mattress, and really old Coke cans. But there was also baby shoes and women's high heels. Something about it just made me cringe a little. This has all come to a head recently when a friend of the owner came to hunt the property for deer. He's an elderly Native American man who comes every year during the autumn months He came back this time and said while he was hunting, he went up to the BLM land and stumbled across some bones. At first he assumed from a distance that they were some long dead animal, until he got closer. He saw what appeared to be the bones of a human hand. He came down and told us of this, and then he contacted the authorities. Apparently, the authorities also think it's a human hand and are doing further investigation. The voices, the feelings, the metallic banging sounds, the items in the trash pile, the bones. It all doesn't sit right with me, and every evening when I'm walking the property to put my chickens away for the night, I get a real ugly feeling in the pit of my stomach. Maybe it can all be explained rationally but it doesn't make me feel any better living here. A Night Hike I Will Never Forget From PX5389 This took place about a year ago, back before I graduated high school. To give this story some background information, I'm from New York. I live in the Catskill region, so I have access to amazing hiking trails. There's many mountain ranges and hiking paths in this particular area alone that I enjoy going on. I live in a more suburban setting, while my friend lives in a more rural section of the county. My friend Ryan was lucky enough to have his house back right into the Catskill Nature Preserve. Since this story took place, he has moved. Fortunately, he still lives close to me. I think it's better he doesn't live there anymore anyway, after what happened. I recall the spectacular times when he had first moved into that house. There was a pool and jacuzzi on top of an amazing stone patio. Beyond the fence was a well-structured fire pit that was right next to a path, which leads to an outstanding hiking trail. The hiking trail then leads to a railroad, which, once crossed, allows you access to the steep mountain trail that we would hike so often with our friend group. His family really hit the jackpot when they bought this house, and the time that we've had this friend group, we've encountered many things while hiking, exploring, and doing random stuff outdoors. However, from all the bizarre experiences that we've encountered, we agreed in unison that this one was potentially the most life-threatening and scary. It came to the point where we stayed away from that trail for a solid two weeks. For us, that was a lot of time. We'd usually be hiking or exploring every other day. The afternoon that came prior to this night hike was a good one. I was hanging with Ryan and two other good friends, one of which had never been on a night hike with us. He was relatively new to our friend group, but fit right in. The only thing left was his so-called initiation into our group. We figured that the only way to test his true character was through challenging him to lead us up the mountain path that we had all become very well acquainted with behind Ryan's backyard. Only thing was that he had never been on it at night. Unlike the rest of us, he had only hiked it by day. It was his time to lead us up, his time to prove to us that he was as daringly adventurous as the rest of us. The afternoon went something along the lines of going for a drive into town and meeting up with the group of girls. After that, we all went back to Ryan's place, using his pool and jacuzzi. We took advantage of the fact that his parents had left town for a weekend getaway. We had the place to ourselves. However, we decided we weren't going to have a party tonight. So around 10 we had the girls leave. It was just us, the boys. We went beyond the gate of the backyard and started gathering some wood for a quick campfire before we made our trek up the mountain. Around 11, we went back inside the house to gather some supplies. You know, basic stuff like flashlights, pocket knives, and backpacks. After we had gathered our stuff, we made our way out onto the trail in his backyard during the day it was beautiful after five minutes of being on the path we would arrive at a spectacular field which was full of tall grass elevated from the path that you would naturally have just come off of with a haze of sunlight and nature calling however it was dead out here right now in the stillness of the dark there was only the rustling of tall grass and the distant sounds of crickets Although we felt somewhat on edge, knowing we were completely exposed, an unexplainable feeling of calmness had overtaken our beings. We walked across the grassland into the next part of the nature trail that led to the railroad. The moon shone brilliantly across the sky, acting as a secondary guide apart from our flashlights. It took some time, however, because there was a patch of brambles we all had to crawl through one by one. As we resumed our hike after clearing the brambles, we closed in on the hill that led to the top of the railroad tracks. This hill will be of key importance later in the story. Jagged rocks lined the elevation, so it was somewhat like rock climbing. We all managed to make it up and came upon the tracks. It was desolate. Something about being on the railroad tracks at night with no one else around was such an incredible feeling. I can't describe it in words, but basically, I felt no attachment to reality, and I was just in the moment. We just sat there on a few rocks, talking for a moment about life and our future exploration plans. Eventually, we carried on. Now, we entered into the real hiking path that led all the way up the mountain. It was about 11.30 now. It typically took us half an hour to get up to the lookout point that we'd usually go to. And let me tell you, seeing the riverfront of the Hudson and the surrounding town's lights around it was truly breathtaking. I couldn't wait to see it once again. The darkness caused us no difficulty. We still were able to make it up in 30 minutes. We had gone on this trail with other people before, too. Normally, with your average person tagging along, the hike would usually take an hour. We, however, had become so well acquainted with the path that we basically knew where every darn rock was. There were no issues on the way up, apart from the subtle, typical paranoia of some kind of animal watching us. If there were any, though, we hadn't noticed. We made it to the top and enjoyed the view, and had some meaningful conversations. Around 12.30, we decided to head back down. In my opinion, coming down was always the best part. We literally ran down the mountain in an attempt to see who could get down to the railroad first. It took us around 20 minutes to get down. Like I said, we knew every part of the trail, and when it came to foot placement, we had absolutely no difficulty in avoiding rocks and tree branches coming down this is the part where things become bizarre i didn't mention it before but when we'd come down the mountain there was a fork in the trail one part of the trail was longer while the other part was shorter they both led back down and merged once again a few yards before you make it past the tree line and onto the tracks this fork took place midway down the mountain usually on the way up we would take the faster route for obvious reasons On the way down, though, we had our newest official member of our group take the longer path down the mountain, alone. It was sort of like a seal the deal kind of gesture. I look back to this day and wonder why in the world we told him to do that, and even more so, why he agreed to do that. At that point, it was nothing really crazy to any of us. I guess that's only because we were so naive, and we'd never been exposed to anything critically unsafe. He'd be back down in 25 minutes, or so we thought, about five minutes after us. Once Ryan, my other friend, and I had gotten to the bottom of the mountain, we hid behind a big boulder, awaiting our other friend's arrival. Eventually, we heard twigs snapping, and we expected to see our friend coming out. By this point, the moon had been covered by some clouds, so we were not able to make out the key details of the figure. But what we saw come out did not match the stature or physique of our friend. It was skinny and malnourished looking. It was shorter. Its arms came down much further than a human's, at least any human I'd ever seen, which only baffled me more. I could not make out any distinguishing features of its head or face. We sat there, just looking, not sure what to make of the situation. All of us in our minds could not stop thinking of our poor friend who was still alone out there. The guilt and anxiety that rushed through my body alone was enough to make me almost throw up. Whatever it was, it paused for a moment. Then, thankfully, walked the opposite way on the railroad away from us. It had made it around a quarter mile away when we heard more branches snap by the tree line. At this point, we didn't know what to expect. My stomach dropped. Then my friend began calling our names. The last thing I wanted to do was make our presence known to whatever that thing was, though. I panicked. Our plan on pranking my friend had gone south. I gave one last glance into the distance and saw whatever it was continuing to walk in its own direction, down the railroad, not even flinching. I found this odd... That it had just paid no attention to my friend. We all came out and whispered to him to quiet down. We asked if he saw anything or heard anything, but he said no. He looked so confused and began to laugh. He said, If you guys are trying to prank me, it's not going to work. The hike was fine. I don't know why y'all are still screwing with me. After all, I was the one who had to go at it alone. As he said that, I glanced back at where the figure had been walking and didn't see it. It was impossible for it to have disappeared unless it had gone back past the tree line. We all stood silent for a moment. I finally spoke for the group. Listen, all you need to know is that we need to get back to Ryan's house right now. I was raising my voice at this point out of fear and insistence. Our friend was so lost and I know if he had experienced something surreal, he would have told us. I told everyone to hurry up, that we're going to run. Whatever it was, we had lost all sight of it, and had no idea where it turned. We climbed down the rocky hill onto the path as quick as we could, sliding on the way down. We eventually made it back to the grassland, getting closer to Ryan's house. We started to walk, as we felt we were a safe distance away from that thing. As we walked across the field, we heard a screeching sound. My whole body shivered. I stood there as did everyone else. We all just looked at each other. Goosebumps infested my arms. I started to shiver uncontrollably. We heard it again. It was distant, coming from the direction of the train tracks. The second time was the last time we heard it. It was every man for himself now. We scattered. It took us a few minutes to get back, but we made it, all of us. We sat there for 15 minutes discussing what the heck happened. All of us were in shock. I know at this point in the story, things looked bad, but it only got worse from there. As Ryan went inside to get his pistol in case anything came into the backyard, we all sat there in silence. A moment later, he came back in a panic. Guys, have you seen my phone? My heart sank. We all said no, and after calling it many times with no success of hearing it, we were forced to accept the fact it was gone. Ryan was mad. He was cursing under his breath and throwing stuff. We sat there just watching him, our minds still in shock. He took the magazine in his pocket, put it in the pistol and loaded it, and that got our attention. Then he said, I need that phone I can't afford to lose it i sure as heck can't leave it out there if my parents call to check in right now i'll be screwed it was one in the morning we were all uneasy and didn't exactly want to go back in there after what we saw we eventually agreed to accompany ryan to the entrance of the field but no further we had gotten to the point of the trail with no luck He was insistent on pressing forward, but all of us said, you're crazy. Ryan replied, fine, I'll go in, but you're going to keep calling the cell phone until I can hear it, okay? We agreed. We used my phone. As we called, the purest form of dread washed over me. Every time I heard the phone ring, I thought someone would pick up, and it wouldn't be Ryan. After 15 slow, agonizing minutes, the phone picked up all of a sudden, making us all jump. He said he got it, and we asked where he found it. Apparently, it was at the bottom of the rocky hill that led to the tracks. The fact that he was that far made me concerned. What if that person or creature was still out there? As we continued to talk, he abruptly stated he needed to go before i could say anything else he hung up we sat there in isolation waiting and dreading what was going to happen next we were past the point of pranks whatever happened now was serious i tried calling him back three times but it went straight to voicemail i figured this couldn't be a good sign and he had either turned off his phone or put it on do not disturb mode for whatever reason a few more minutes passed and we suddenly got a text from him. It said, Get back to the house. Not safe. I'm there. I took another way. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself Happy price Go to your happy price Priceline As we read that, we suddenly felt like we were being watched. That feeling you get when you're in the open and something might be lurking nearby. We were a few minutes from home, but in that time period, whatever the heck was out there could be watching us for all I knew. We took off back to the house and at one point, my friend had tripped. Me and another friend ran back to help him. And we continued going all together. We eventually made it back, and Ryan was waiting for us. He yelled out, ''Guys, get out of there! Now!'' We ran to him. He explained everything. He said he had been jogging through the woods and eventually heard a distinct buzzing sound, which he realized was his phone. It was right at the edge of the bottom of the rocky hill, leading to the tracks, He says it must have fallen out of his pocket as he was sliding down the dang hill. He cautiously started walking. When in reach, he picked up his phone. After standing there for a few minutes, distracted on a call with us to let us know that he'd found the phone, he heard something walking on top of the tracks, rocks crunching under the weight of something. That's when he hung up in fear of whatever he was hearing. He kept walking at that constant pace onward continuing to hear the sounds which he claimed sounded bipedal based on the amount of time it took for one foot to sink into the crunching rocks after the other he couldn't see over the hill onto the train tracks making it impossible to figure out what it was he ran back urgently and only when he got back home he decided to text us i thought this was kind of dumb to leave us hanging like that but hey we do stupid things when we're scared We sat there just thinking what to do. We were quiet for a while, just listening to every sound and looking into the tree line, anticipating something to happen. Eventually, we heard rustling coming from the woods. Ryan, scared out of his mind, shot off around into the woods. Whatever was in there ran away. I'm pretty sure it was just a deer, though. Or at least, I hope it was. Nothing else happened that night. We locked the doors, turned out the lights, and hung out in the living room. There was no chance we were actually falling asleep. The unreal experience we had would haunt us for a long time. As freakish as it was, I'm oddly happy to know I have a surreal story to tell anyone who I'm close to. What matters is that my friends and I made it out okay. Looking back... I know that screeching sound could've been a screech owl or fox, but knowing that someone or something else was out there that barely looked human at all made me question that. None of us were on any substances. We were completely sober, and I know what we saw was real. I know that there are things out there that come out at night and hide during the day and I now know that there are some things that never want to be discovered. To this day, I have no idea what the creature was or what its intentions were. I don't know if it had followed my two friends and I or my other friend down that long path. Quite frankly, I don't want to know. Some say ignorance is bliss, and I wholeheartedly agree. Today's episode is a bit shorter, for personal medical reasons. I'm fine, don't worry. But today's stories include werewolves at the window, shadowy silhouettes, and creepy camping critters. Now, let's begin. The Creature That Roams Blanton National Park from Wesley C. This happened in the largest national park in Kentucky, Blanton National Forest and Nature Preserve. Blanton is both the biggest forest in Kentucky, and possibly the most beautiful. I finished showing the park ranger my park admission slip, and drove through the gate. I looked out into the parking lot and noticed there was hardly anyone there. I figured this might be normal because it was 7 in the morning after all, and on a business day. When I got out, I released the ratchet ties holding down my red beat-around ATV. After setting it down, I loaded everything on top and locked my truck. It only took about five minutes to drive to my spot, and another 45 minutes to set up my tent, butane stove, and unpack my food. I took my handgun out of my portable safe that I brought along, and decided to take a hike through the massive forest. I'd made it about a mile from my campsite before I realized it was already getting dark so I needed to head back. About a minute later, I heard a stick break. My first thought was that it was a park ranger. I turned around, ready to show him my admission slip. To my surprise, there was no one there. I looked around and saw no animals or people, and the closest campsite was about 200 yards away. Uh, okay then... I muttered to myself, thinking maybe a squirrel or a possum dropped a hickory nut or something. After not seeing anything, I just continued walking back to the site. A louder cracking sound made me freeze in my tracks. To be honest, I wasn't surprised when I didn't see anything once more, but I was unsettled. What the heck? I said aloud into the trees, assuming that this was some sort of prank. When I heard no reply, I began to jog back to my campsite. I just need some sleep, I told myself as I approached my tent. But not before some food. While I was moving the cooler out to the campfire, I heard another slight sound about 15 yards away. I thought nothing of it at first, as it was almost inaudible. But this was different. I began feeling something observing me, and there was a horrible rotting stench that filled the air. I tried to cover my nose, but to no avail. I looked around, but still saw nothing, and the smell still would not go away. I began to draw my pistol, thanking God that I had it with me. I also started to feel nauseous, I tried taking deep breaths, but the fresh air that I was expecting was replaced by this awful, rotting smell. I was beginning to get a headache, and I threw up due to the nausea. What the heck is that? I yelled. The nausea started to get worse. It felt like my stomach was writhing like some sort of worm. I thought I was going to throw up again. It was then that I looked up towards a crunching noise in the tree line. The sound began moving to my left and I froze in my tracks. Standing there, about two feet to my left, was a creature that I had never seen before. I'll try to describe its features as best I can. The creature's body was a lumpy roll of flesh that was covered with bulging blisters and scars. Its legs were positioned backwards with its knees pointing up, and they were so skinny, they looked like they would snap with excessive force. But its face was possibly the most horrifying. It had glossy, pure black eyes, the creature's nose was two holes where a human nose should have been, and it had teeth that were two inches long. They were bloody and almost needle-like. I began feeling sick again, that thing smelled awful. I tried to run, but my feet were frozen in place. I tried to scream, but all that made it out was a dry breath. That creature must have heard my weak yelp, because it began to walk towards me. Right away, I went into fight or flight mode, and I chose to fight. I drew my little 22 and fired three shots into its head. The creature turned in pain and let out a deafening scream, but it sounded inhuman, sort of like five animals screaming at once. Then I ran. I knew that I only had a limited time before that thing came for me. I pumped my legs as fast as they would go and ran to my tent, grabbing my phone. I ran to my ATV that was parked nearby. I pushed the little 150cc engine as fast as it could go and drove to my truck. I started my engine and drove the heck out of there. I've gone on multiple camping trips since then and haven't seen that thing or any other creature like that again. And I hope to never see it again. I advise you all, if you ever go camping in Blanton National Forest, beware of the creature that roams there. Also, let me know if you ever see anything like it. Camp safely. Werewolf in Oklahoma. From Anthony R. This happened a year ago when I was 14 in a part of the woods of Oklahoma. I was on a trip with my parents, my two sisters, my two aunts, my uncle, and four cousins. We rented a cabin so we could stay for a week. When we got there, we unpacked all our things and got everything inside. After that, I went out to check out the woods surrounding the cabin. There was nothing but trees for miles, as far as the eye could see. Well, I did spot a lone deer grazing, which was nice. Everything seemed normal. We went out to go pick up some food at the nearest restaurant later. When we got back, we found these huge paw prints, unlike anything i'd ever seen in my life back home we had three dogs two small ones and a big one i've measured my big dog's paw prints before and they're about as big as my hand but this this was much bigger i asked my father what kind of wild dogs left these paw prints he said maybe they belonged to a coyote or worst case scenario a wolf it didn't stay on our minds long as after that we watched a movie while eating some dinner. After that it was getting dark and we went to bed. I was sleeping in the living room and the rest of my family slept in their own rooms. I stayed up for a while on my phone, playing games. All of a sudden, I heard noises coming from outside. It sounded like a large dog panting. I don't know what got a hold of me, but I figured I would go see what it was from the window. What I saw gave me goosebumps. There were two glowing orange eyes. From my experience, it looked like a wolf's glowing eyes, from what I've seen in movies and documentaries. But the weird thing was, the eyes were about seven or eight feet off the ground, by far drastically different from the height of a normal wolf. I was horrified, so I quickly ducked down. After five minutes, I looked back and the creature, who knows what it was, was gone. I slowly walked back over to the couch, then hid under the covers until the sun came up. The following morning, me and my family were eating breakfast. I didn't bring up what I saw last night because they wouldn't believe me or they would call me crazy. The next two days, nothing else happened. But something did happen on the third day. Me and my older cousin decided to go walking in the woods. No one else wanted to come with us, so it's just the two of us. While we were walking, we were talking about video games and other things. When we stopped talking, we noticed the woods were dead silent. I stopped my cousin and he noticed that as well. After a few minutes, we heard the sound of a stick breaking under the weight of something's footstep. By instinct, we turned in the direction of the noise, and what we saw will forever haunt us. There stood a large wolf, covered in dark fur, yet it looked especially muscular, and its front paws looked like human hands. Then the wolf stood up on its hind legs, and it towered over me and my cousin, It snarled at us. We could see most of its horrid teeth. Oddly enough, while some of them were sharp, many of them looked like human teeth. My cousin and I ran for it back to the cabin, but we could hear that thing right behind us. It sounded like it was running on all fours. We didn't look back in fear that doing so would slow us down. By some miracle we made it back to the cabin and only then did we turn around and find the wolf creature was gone. We ran inside and locked the door, our family surprised at the sudden and panicked entrance. They asked us what happened and we told them everything. My sisters and my other cousins did not believe us. One of my aunts was shocked. My mother was frightened. My other aunt didn't believe us as well. But both my father and uncle believed us. My father warned the rest of my family to not go outside without an adult. It was getting late. We stayed up watching TV, a bit nervous. That's when all of us heard an ear piercing howl, and now the rest of my family believed what me and my older cousin were talking about. What happened next terrified my entire family. We heard the front door being scratched by something. My father was about to go look through the window, but then we saw it. That wolf creature was at the window already. Its eyes were glowing or reflecting orange, and it was snarling at us. My father and my uncle both grabbed their rifles. They turned on the porch light and went outside to confront it. But by then, the wolf creature was gone. But... It had left something in its wake. My family and I went outside to look, and we were dumbfounded. A multitude of dead animals were scattered all over the place, as well as bloody claw marks on the door. We went back inside and locked all the doors and windows. My father kept guard, in case it came back. The rest of us tried to sleep, still terrified. A few hours later, I was still awake. I felt my eyes drawn toward the window, and there I saw it, just peering in at me, staring. Soon after, it turned around and disappeared into the dark woods. Why was it observing us? I went back to bed, still scared, and I didn't get much sleep that night. In the morning we ate breakfast, packed all our things and headed home, and we never went back into those woods again. We're still terrified of those events. Nowadays I believe that what my family encountered was a werewolf, or a dogman. There have been sightings of this creature all over the world, and missing reports of people disappearing in the woods. I wonder if they're connected. I'm just glad my family and I did not become the werewolf or dogman's next victims. Who knows what could have happened if that thing had managed to find a way inside. Peace River Shadow Demons from Osborne 007 I was on vacation with my sister and her husband in Florida. We were staying at the campground at Walt Disney World but I grew tired of the crowds. So I headed south and eventually ended up in a town called Arcadia. Staying at a campground there, I decided after a day or two that I wanted to play some golf, so I went up to a local golf course near the Peace River Wilderness area. It was an easy course, and I was alone. The 18th hole had water on the right and an elevated green surrounded by sand traps. I gave the ball a good whack, being careful to hit a draw avoiding the water it landed right in the middle of the fairway the green was pretty intimidating the sand traps were deep and the green had a narrow passage taking out my three wood i hit down on the ball as hard as i could and off it went it was heading straight for the rough but i knew it would turn because i was so far in front of the ball it turned out all right and actually turned over It rolled right up the green and stopped four feet in front of the hole. I really wanted to make this pot, so I walked around the hole until I could see the perfect shot. I knew speed was going to be important. When I hit it, I immediately regretted hitting it too hard, but it bent to the right and went right in the center of the cup for a birdie. I was honestly elated. I remember thinking, Dear Lord, if I died today... I'd die a happy man, but I would soon regret that thought. I heard a bird call behind me, and in a bush on the edge of the green was a raven, sitting on a branch in the bush. As I was leaving, in a good mood, I looked at the raven and spoke to it. Sorry, Mr. Raven, but I don't have any crackers. He looked at me with his head cocked to one side, peering at me with one eye. Then he gave me another couple of caws. He didn't budge as I walked past him. I told him, playfully, in the way of Lou Costello, to shut up. He flew off, which surprised me, as he was so large I didn't think he could fly. As I walked around the bush, and I looked, he was gone. There wasn't anywhere he could have gone, though. There was a field across the street, but he just disappeared. As I got into my pickup truck, a cold breeze hit me in the face. This was strange, as it was 78 degrees out. When I got into my truck, the cab was cold too. The windows had been closed, so it should have been hot. I headed back towards town, thinking about stopping at Sonic, getting one of those big old cheeseburgers and tots with jalapenos and cheddar cheese. Along the way, I saw a sign that said, Wilderness Road Boat Lodge, and the voice in my head said, Go down there. I pulled over for a minute, considering that the dirt road was pretty washboarded, but the voice in my head continued, You're on vacation, explore a little bit. The road was long and bumpy, it led down deep into the woods, but I finally came to the boat lodge. There was only one vehicle there with a boat trailer on it, I parked my truck and pulled out my fishing rod. After some time, I realized there wasn't much biting in this river. Peace River is a wilderness area used by canoers. It's very remote. I noticed a Tarzan swing, but decided it wasn't a good idea to use it since I was by myself. If something bad happened, I'd be alone. But the voice in my head said, what are you, a coward? I felt pressured to give it a try. It felt as if something was holding me back a little bit. As I let go, I tried to arch my body, but my hip hit a ledge. I was upside down in the water seeing stars, and my hip was screaming in pain. I didn't know which way was up, but being a scuba diver, I let out a little bit of air and followed the bubbles to the surface. Climbing up the bank was almost impossible. It was so steep. One of the steps was very high and I realized my hip was broken. I tried pulling my way up and I fell all the way back down, almost passing out from the pain. I realized that going down the river might be my best bet. I headed for the launch. There were several blowdowns, that is, trees that had fallen across the river, which wasn't very wide. And each time I crawled over one of these blowdowns, the pain would just take the energy right out of me, so I'd rest for a while. At one point, I saw a 10 foot gator on the shore. He seemed surprised, and as he jumped in the water, he slammed his mouth shut, squirting me right in the face with a bucket full of murky brown water. I remembered thinking, so that's what gators do to confuse their prey. But he just swam on by. He did hit me with his tail by accident. I rested for a while, considering my situation, and started to call for help. I then noticed that there were shadows moving along in the woods. I focused on them. They were darker than a moonless night, darker than outer space, darker than a room with no windows. I continued to crawl with my body floating in the water, my left hip totally immobilized. Looking back, I noticed the shadows were in fact following me, When I came to the next blowdown, I called out in a calm voice, I can see you. And I swear one of those shadows stuck its head out from the crotch of a tree and then poured down the side of the tree like dirty motor oil. It pulled up on the ground and it began to head towards me like an army of black ants. They then rose up to form a shape that reminded me of the little guy on the men's room door sign. Like I said, This thing was jet black. It looked like somebody had taken a cookie cutter of a gingerbread man and cut a hole in our dimension. On the other side of that hole was absolutely nothing. It began to flash back and forth very quickly with traces behind it. The other two, there were three shadows altogether, were not quite as dark as the lead entity. They kind of stood back. I thought to myself, Is this supposed to scare me? He immediately stopped and began to do a Bella Lugosi thing with his arm walking back and forth. I actually laughed out loud. He stopped and walked right up to me. I turned away and a little voice in my head said, You know what to say. And I thought, I do? The little voice said to me, To say in the name of Jesus Christ be gone. Hold your head up high and yell it. I did as the voice said, and all three of those shadows disappeared right away. I continued my painful journey towards the launch and finally reached it. Yelling towards the sky, I said, Dear Lord, please send some help. Anybody. A boat then pulled up. I called out for help. A man approached from the boat. Oddly enough, he had a revolver in his hand, and he asked me a question first. This ain't some DEA trick, is it? No, I busted my hip, I need some help, please, I replied. They got me the help I needed, and I didn't say anything about the poached gator in the back of their boat. I was just thankful to be out of that situation.